Thank you for tuning in to this week's message. For more information about Connections Church, you can go to connectionschurch.church or follow us on Facebook and Instagram. What a day, what a day already, and it's not over with yet. And thank you all for praying for us while we were away on our vacation last week. We had a wonderful, restful time with the kiddos, and, and uh, what a great opportunity to get away. And, and uh, Hunter and Carrie are, are on vacation this morning and getting some time to, uh, to be away. That's why he's not up here, part of the team today. And so we pray for them as they are away. And, and, and get all that in while you can, because the bell is about to toll, right? I mean, can you, can you hear it off in the distance right now, parents? I know you're, you're leaning in to hear it because you're ready for that school bell to ring and those kids to get back in school and get at it, right? And I know you, I know you kids are like, I don't want to hear that. I don't even want to think about that. But the time is drawing nigh, as they used to say growing up in the old full gospel church. That time is coming quickly and school's about to start. But we are so glad you are all here today for this day of impact and change for all of eternity. God's doing great things. And would you do me a favor right now? Turn to somebody nearby you and tell them how good they look today. Now, husbands, that was a great opportunity for you to get some brownie points by not just going through the motion saying, you look good today. But I mean, really looking in her eyes and saying, baby, nobody looks as good as you. You are smoking, right? <clears throat> well, if you missed it, too bad, because now it's going to be like, well, you just saying it because the pastor said it. Now, you know, that, that opportunity is done flown by you. So welcome today. Some big statements made by Jesus, the I am statements, and Pastor Scott kicked it off last week by talking about Jesus making the statement, I am the good shepherd, and, and I want to just give you a reminder about what this statement actually is. So as we jump into it, would you grab your handouts and your outline on one side there? On the other side is a great opportunity to visit our website, connectionschurch.church, and get involved and get, get hooked up with everything, or as Pastor Joe said, get connected with everything that's going on, but but as a reminder, the declaration of I am by Jesus, when he walked on the earth that we're going to be walking through the next several weeks out of the book of John, by declaring I am, what he's doing here is echoing God's declaration to Moses. Remember that guy, Moses, who led the children of Israel out of Egypt? When, when God told Moses, you're going to go before the Pharaoh, the mightiest man on all the earth at that time, and you're going to tell him to let my people go because Egypt had held the, the Israelites in slavery and captivity, and, and, and God said the time has come for them to be delivered, and he picked Moses to do it. And you remember what Moses asked God when, when, he, when he brought this assignment to him? He said, yeah, yeah, but who should I say has sent me. Because what Moses understood was that Pharaoh is going to say, by what authority are you coming to me? Who is sending you to tell me this? And, and what is this all about? You remember God's beautiful answer to Moses in this. And I'm sure it kind of shook Moses a little bit because he's thinking, I don't know if this will work. But, but when he asked God that, who shall I say has sent me? God responded by saying, you tell Pharaoh that I am is sending you. Wow. Now, some of you, that went whoop, right over your head. I am, what, what, what is that all about? Well, we're unpacking that because that's the same statement that Jesus is making in all these I am statements. And basically what the meaning of that is this, I am the all in all, the all-powerful, all-knowing, only true living God that there is. And Jesus is the I am God in human form, and it reminds us of that fact in these statements that we're walking through in the situations in which he is making them. Now, 
If you have your Bibles, turn over to the book of John in the New Testament, one of the four Gospels, chapter 11. We're going to be walking through verses 17 on down to 44, just darting in and out. And the message has been, been sent to Joseph in this passage of Scripture. And the message is that Lazarus, your friend, is sick. And if something doesn't happen, he's going to die. But rather than going to Lazarus immediately so that he could heal him at that point, Jesus remained where he was and he let Lazarus die. Now, some of you are thinking automatically, not a very good story. I mean, that's, that's just not good. I mean, Jesus could have went to him and healed him and, and he doesn't go at that moment and, and he lets his friend pass away. So once Lazarus dies, Jesus and his disciples begin to travel back to Judea, the town of Bethany, so that Jesus can, as verse 11 tells us, awaken him. Now, I love that, that phrase. And, and first, there's an encounter when he does get back with Martha, one of Lazarus' sisters. And, and when Jesus arrives at the tomb of Lazarus, Lazarus has been in the tomb for how many days? Anybody know? Four days. It's pretty, pretty powerful stuff right there. Four days. And it's a very significant statement. I want you to stay with me. Don't, don't miss the, the meaning of this entire story. The Jewish mind considered a person truly dead with no hope of resurrection or any kind of life to come on the third day. The reason was obvious. For the first three days, there is no physical appearance of decomposition. On the fourth day, the human body begins to show visible signs of decay. And I will not go into detail, but they're not really good. The body just, in essence, starts breaking down. So, this is the state that Lazarus is in on this fourth day. And notice in John eleven thirty nine 39 that the family is aware that this is the condition of his body because he's been dead for that many days. And he's going to do what? Somebody said it. Stinketh, as the old King James used to say. The guy's going to smell terrible. I mean... Any of you ever had something die in your house and you couldn't find it? Like maybe there was a mouse in the wall or a squirrel in the attic or, or a bird got in somehow in, in your attic and, and, it, and it couldn't get out and it died up there. And all of a sudden you start smelling something that is beyond your kid's gym socks, normal smell in their bedroom. And you're racking your brain trying to find out and you're searching high and low and finally you find it. When you find it, woohoo! I mean, you get right up on it and the smell gets what? Worse. They knew this was a condition. They knew that he was going to stink. And most of the translations are softening the language here for our, our sensibilities. The Greek is simply he already stinks. And the NLT reads, the smell will be terrible. People are not walking into this stinking tomb. Further, we need to have in mind the condition of Lazarus as Jesus begins talking to his sisters. Now, when Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him. Take note of that. Martha went out to meet him. But her sister Mary remained where? In the house. Listen to the hard, painful words of Martha when she encounters Jesus in verses 21 and 22. Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now I know that whatever you ask from God, God will give you. So we should not read in these words as condemnation of Jesus. These are the words of painful regret. Any of us ever been there before? disappointed and discouraged if something didn't happen like we, we hoped it would, prayed it would. If, if you'd been here, my brother would not have died. She had hoped Jesus would have come at her initial message. She is declaring faith. I wish you would have been here because I know that my brother would not have died. She is absolutely acknowledging the power that Jesus had as God in flesh. Now verse 22 is just as important as she expresses her dependence on Jesus in this, this matter. And his will 
to be done, we must observe that Martha is not asking Jesus to raise Lazarus from the dead at this point. She's not expressing that. The reason we know this, even though her words sound like the desire for Jesus to raise him from the dead, is that Martha, in verse 39, who resists the removal of the stone from his tomb, she's not thinking about Lazarus raising from the dead at this point at all. Do you get that in your your mind's eye? You understand what's going on here? Rather, Martha is expressing her continuing faith in Jesus, even though she's disappointed. How many of you have been there? And if you don't raise your hand, <laughs> you're not telling the truth. How many of you have ever been disappointed in God? Disappointed that something didn't work out like you prayed for, you hoped for. You, you start getting this little place of maybe pouting. Has that ever turned into that? No, some of you look at me, Pastor, I, I would never do that. Yeah, you would. Some of you are doing it right now. I, I wanted this. I prayed for this. I, I had all my faith in this, but it happened. That's kind of where, where Martha's at right now. But what I love about Martha's side of the story here is that she's still expressing faith in God. What she's doing is this. What she's actually proclaiming is, not my will, but yours be done. Who else said that? Uh, maybe Jesus when he was about to be crucified, right? When he was struggling with, the, with the God the Father and said, if there be any other way, let this cup, what? Pass on by me because this isn't going to be fun. Nevertheless, he prayed, not my will, but thine be done. So we've got to wrestle with that at times, church. I mean, this is where, where the, the men are separated from the boys and the girls, from the, from the women, where it gets down to the nitty-gritty stuff that, that isn't going to be easy. It isn't going to be fun. It isn't going to be this old Ohio cheerio and everything's going to be grandiose. No, it's going to be some hard stuff we have to deal with when we accept the will of God the Father and not necessarily what we want and I love Martha's faith here where she has kind of wrestled with that and she's come to terms with it and she's understanding that Jesus is the master and we are the servants and if, if that's not the case if he's not Lord of all then he's not Lord what at all she understands that the will of the servant is not the goal the will of the master is everything as disciples of Christ Jesus Martha understands this clearly. She's crushed by disappointment, as we all would be, right? Life doesn't always work out as we write it out in our heads on this beautiful piece of paper, the, the grand plan that we would like to see. So when the curves come and the hard times hit and the valleys show up in our lives, we are going to be disappointed. Nevertheless, what we do is say, as disciples of Christ, not my will, but thine be done she's dealing with grief she's dealing with disappointment she knows that Lazarus would not not have died if Jesus would have come a few days earlier and though she's hurting and grieving and disappointed she knows that Jesus is the master and God will do whatever he asks and so she declares this great faith in the midst of discouragement and pain can we do the same? The question is not, can we do the same? The question is really this, will we do the same? What, what a beautiful picture. And, and Jesus says something that sounds like the comfort that many would have given Martha in this time. The comfort that all of us have given other people around us when dealing with a similar situation. When he says, your brother is going to rise again. That sounds beautiful, doesn't it? Sounds not like something we would say. And, and, and she says, oh, yes, yes, I, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. 
You see, what happens here is Martha has taken Jesus' words as a generic blanket statement. We're all going to rise again. And I don't say that lightly because one day, the Bible says, the graves of the believers who have went on before us are going to do what? They're not just going to rumble a little bit. The Bible says they're going to burst open. And the dead in Christ shall rise first. And we which are alive in him are going to follow on their tails. I'm telling you, church. It's going to be glorious. And that's what she had in mind. She, she pictured that when he made the statement. But that is not what he was referring to. How many times have we said, oh, they're in a better place. They're not suffering anymore. They're home with God. And we say those things. And it sounds like Jesus is saying something similar here. Your, your brother will rise again. You can almost see her nodding through her tears. And she knows her brother will be raised in the last day. But listen, folks, she did not really get it. Do we get it? And here's what I mean. In verses 25 through 27, it's not exactly what Jesus means. He says these words, I am the resurrection and... Somebody want to help me this morning. I am the resurrection and the life. What an I am statement. He says, whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live again. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall mm, never die. Everyone in search of eternal life. This is the good news. It's the only place it's found. All those freeze-dried heads across America in those freezers somewhere. You know, you've read about that for years. I think Mickey Mantle's head is frozen somewhere. I mean, all these people think they're going to come up with some kind of way to extend life and their heads are going to be thawed out like you thaw out a turkey at Thanksgiving. But I don't know if you just drop it in the water for a few hours, leave it out on the counter. I don't know. But guess what? That's not going to work. The eternal life that's spoken of here is eternity with Jesus Christ where we will live forever and ever and ever and ever and add a thousand million forevers on that if you would. There's no counting eternity. Though he die, shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Can you write that on your outline somewhere? The believer never dies. Now please don't miss this. I put this on your outline. The resurrection is not an event. It is, however, a person. Notice the wording here. Jesus did not say, I am able to resurrect, but he said what? I am the resurrection. I am the resurrection and the life. It's all found in me. No other source can give you what I am, what I have, what I provide. He gives life because he is life. He gives life to the dead. Jesus teaches us something so incredible here. And that is the fact that physical death is not the important thing. Have you noticed how we as humans just cling and claw to, to youth and, and, and life and we don't want anything to come and, and take this precious commodity away from us? If we have our right minds, we are always striving to preserve what we have here that we know is life. But the Bible teaches quite opposite of that. It says to die is gain. That, that we, we celebrate when children are born in this world, but we should really mourn because of the, the troubles that they're facing ahead. That, that when the believer exits this part of life, he enters the part called eternity, and that is perfection with God forever. Paradise, if you will. How many of you woke up with something hurting in your body this morning? I, I need to raise both hands. The older I get, the more it hurts. 
You know it, don't you, Perry? When we get home, never hurt again. How many woke up with some stress and worry and concerns just knocking at you, just eating you up? Boy, there's hands going up real quick. When we get home, never a care again. Never anxiety, never worry. Listen, folks. Jesus is the resurrection and the life. And as much as we clamor and fight to keep this life going, death is the gateway to further life and fellowship with God. The deepest level that we will ever experience is to be there with God forever. No separation. No more sin. No more struggle. No more hurt. No more worry. No more doubt. Whoever believes in Jesus will never die are the words out of his own mouth. Now, here's the big question. Do we believe this? Because Martha says that she does believe this, and Martha has faith in Jesus, and Martha has faith in Jesus as the Messiah, as divine, and as the deliverer of their souls. She has a very high view of the person of Jesus, but she does not believe Lazarus is alive because she is going to resist opening his tomb. Martha says she believes, but it appears to fall very short as we read through this event Continuing, now we come to Jesus and Mary. And let's, let's, let's go to their story for just a moment in verses 28 through 37. And, and I put here in your notes the frustration and unbelief. Now Jesus calls for Mary to come to him because she, remember where she stayed? Where was that? Where was that? Home in the house. Tell somebody, you don't want to always be at home. Go ahead. Not always the right place to be. So Jesus has to call her out to come to him. And at the word, Mary immediately gets up and goes out to him in the crowd and the house thinks that she's going to the tomb to mourn. So they follow her out. When Mary comes to Jesus, she literally falls at his feet saying the same thing that her sister said. Lord, if you had only been here, my brother would not have died. She says the exact same words, expressing the same faith in Jesus that he had the power to stop her brother's death. And like Martha, Mary also appears to fall short in fully understanding what it means that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. But something unusual happens here that we're not used to seeing in Jesus. Notice in verse 33, the Bible says, I don't know what your version actually says, but here's what I'm going to read. He was deeply moved in his spirit and greatly troubled. Now, upon reading it at first glance, if you haven't dug in and studied a little bit, don't understand what's really going on here, you might think, man, Jesus is really pretty tore up that, that his buddy Lazarus is dead. That, that must be what, what that means. As we all would be. We've all lost friends and family members. Tough that is. But, but think about it. Remember back when he said, I'm not going to go immediately and heal him? I got something else in mind? So it's not that. Here's what that literally means. That, that for lack of better terminology, Jesus is kind of ticked off here. I mean, he's, he's very frustrated. Some, some you know, translators have used the word bristled. You ever been bristled? Prickly, like, like we used to say, got a bee in your bonnet. A little upset, a little angry, a little frustrated, disappointed. You just, uh, these people just don't get it time after time. I teach them, I show them, I, I do these great things, but they're still not getting it. He was deeply moved. He was angry. He was bristled. He was dis disgusted as one commentator put it. And, and it's like, he just, just deeply moved in his spirit is a broad way of incorporating these ideas. The point is this, that Jesus is not moved with sadness, but indignation. He's bristling at 
what's going on in front of him with these two, two sisters. Listen. Have we upset Jesus at times? Yes, we have. Have we disappointed him? Yes. Have we been short on our faith? I mean, why this response? Well, look carefully at the, the next text. The first time Jesus expresses this is because of the weeping and wailing of Mary and the crowds in verse 33. The second time is when the people say, could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man also have kept this man from dying? Here's the crux of it, and look at me. I don't want you to lose me right here. I believe the problem is that no one sees who Jesus really is. Now, come on with me down this road for just a minute. Do we really see who he is? I mean, what we've heard, what we've grown up hearing by, from our, our grandma or grandpa, hopefully somebody in the family or what we learned in Sunday school, but do we really see Jesus for all that he is? And that's exactly what's going on right here. No one recognizes is that, that Jesus is the resurrection and life. If you believe in him, you understand what it means to believe in Jesus. It means understanding that Lazarus would what? Would live, would wake up. It means understanding that in Jesus is life and life is in believing in Jesus. And I'm talking about real life. And that's exactly what he shows us. As we move down to verses 38 through 44, this is what Jesus needs us to see in him. Would you write that statement on your outline? What does Jesus really need me to see? Because here, here's the thing. We, we get caught up. We're visual creatures, right? Especially men. Men, we get caught up visually in all kinds of stuff. Some of it's good. Some of it's terrible. Some of it's from heaven. Some of it's from hell. But Jesus needs us to see beyond the things of this world, beyond the natural realm of our ability to, to put eyes on something and, and figure out what it is. He needs us to see with the spirit man inside of us who he really is. That's what he's longing for. That's why he was frustrated. That's why he expressed himself in this way and said, listen, you people still don't get it. I want you to get it. And getting it, what it means is you're getting me, you're understanding me, you're be, being able to fully comprehend who I am, what I am, and all that I can do. Even that's beyond our imagination, but it's still, you catch a glimpse of it, you, you get a taste of it, you get, get something of me in you that's real. Come on. Not something that, that, that's kind of pretend or fake or fantasy or this little picture that some people paint of a meek, mild teacher who was really good and went around and helped people. The real Jesus. We've done studies on that. We've walked down that road of who he really is. All that he's, he's capable of that we see in his word. And that's exactly what he is pushing right here. He needs us to see him. Which is what John records for us here. Jesus says to take away the stone. Man, I love that. Can you, can you picture that in your mind's eye right now with me? I'm sure that everybody out there saying, is this man out of his mind? This guy's been dead for four days. I'm sure people out there is already grabbing their, their robes and pulling them up going, okay, all right, I'm ready. I wouldn't advise it. You understand what I'm saying? And why is that? Because the stench is going to be overwhelming. But Jesus, nevertheless, like usual, doesn't care about the opinion of the crowd, right? Here's what Jesus deals with. 
his reality, his power, his ability. So when people come along and say, can't be done, the guy's been dead too long, might as well leave the stone in place, Jesus rises up and says, move the stone and watch what I can do. And I'm telling you, some people right now in this room that you need Jesus to come and speak to your life and speak to the stone that's in the way of whatever is holding you back and say, move that out of the way and watch what I can do if you just give me a chance and see me for who I am. So yeah, okay. We'll move the stone. Yeah, if, if, if that's what you want. Okay, we'll, we'll do it. They don't understand. They think it's way too late. And I'm telling you something. If you've got breath this morning, take a couple deep ones. It's not too late. I don't care what's happened in the past. That's behind us. It's a new day. And he's here to tell you it's not too late. And this is what Martha and Mary and the crowds have all been saying. If you'd have been here before, but now it's too late. They don't understand who is standing before them. So Jesus said, did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? That phrase is thrown around way too lightly often, times. But I don't know about you people. I want to see the glory of God. And I firmly believe that we are living in the last days where a lost and dying, perverse and evil generation is dying to see the glory of God. Dying to see the authentic God of the universe show up and work miracles because the people of God who claim to follow him, know him, love him, be a true disciple. They're dying to see true disciples rise up in the power and the glory of the resurrected king and show forth the glories of God in their life. So Jesus says, did I tell you that if you would believe you would see the glory of God? It's time to see who Jesus is. It's time to bring faith to a greater level. So Jesus prays in a way that so people will, will believe that you sent me is what he asked God the Father in verse 42. Lord, I want you to move so that people will believe that you sent me, that I am here, that I am you and you are me. We need to learn that Jesus is working the plan of God the Father and he's relying on God the Father in every aspect. Jesus then cries out with a loud voice, Lazarus what? Lazarus what? Lazarus what? Come out. Come forth. Get up. And he cries out with that loud voice, the man whose body is decaying, a body that has turned red, bloating with putrefaction, comes hopping out in the grave clothes that are wrapped around him. The body of flesh was ruined. Jesus is the resurrection and the life. Jesus put that body back together and out comes Lazarus as if he was untouched by death at all. Don't you love that? I love that, folks. Whoever believes in me, though he dies, yet shall he lives verse 30 25 declares those who believe in christ we don't die we might transfer from this place to heaven but we don't die we might die here a physical death and be raised from the dead if that's what god so chooses to do in us and through us for his glory so be it i'll go again if he wants me to I'll do whatever. Listen, can you grab a hold of the power 
of the resurrected king right here? Can, can you get that? How many of you grew up in Sunday school hearing the story of Lazarus? How many of you, that, that when you was in Sunday school, your, your awesome teacher, so creative, took out some toilet paper and wrapped up some kid and said, here's Lazarus in his grave clothes. He's going to come hopping out in that toilet paper. When Jesus calls him out of the tomb, man, this is real. I mean, I love that. I love that visual because, you know, our kids will come up and they'll be like, man, we, we saw Lazarus come back to life today and he had on toilet, well, I mean, grave clothes, but, you know, they, he tore them off and he was alive and that's awesome. But folks, we got to get beyond the milk. We got to get to the word. We got to get to that rhema that feeds our soul, that grows us, that matures us, and understand that it's more than just a children's story in a Sunday school class, although that is amazing and great and we love it, but it's, it's real. That God, that same resurrecting power that Jesus displayed there when he called his friend out of the tomb is alive and well. That same spirit that raised Christ from the dead, it dwells in us as his people. Now, break it down to this level. I want to ask you today. What is it that you alive people in this room and watching me right now on whatever venue... What is it that needs to be resurrected in you? Because I know without a doubt, listen to me, look at me. Some of you have some dead ends. And I'm not talking E-N-D-S, dead ends. Like you go down the street, whoop, dead end. Got to turn around. I'm talking dead I-N. Because some of you may be dead in your doubts. I didn't read through Thomas's part of this, one of the disciples that was with him when he decided, let's go. And, and when, when they went to this town, all the other disciples tried to stop Jesus, saying, man, they're waiting to ambush you. They're ready to kill you. They're, they're going to take your life. We don't need to go. But Jesus said, I've got to go to display the glory of God. This is what God has, has intended for me to do and go and, and, and wake up Lazarus. So Thomas was like, well, I guess we're all going to go and die. Isn't that just like Thomas? I need to touch the, the, the wounds, the, the scars for myself to believe. And now, now I guess we're all going to die. Way to go, Jesus. This is really going downhill quick. But okay, let's go. Here's what I understand. that Some people that are listening to me right now, you are dead in your doubts. You've let doubt come in, set up shop, take residence, and, and grip your life that, hey, what am I even doing this? What, where am I even going? What, what's happening here? Do you even love me? I mean, what's going on? I don't know, but I know this, that Jesus came to resurrect you out of the doubt that's gripped your life up to this point. It may be just a season of doubt. It may be a long-term thing that's been, been battling you. I don't know what it is, but hear me today. It's time to come out. It's time to be free from that. Or maybe you're dead in your discouragement. I know Mary and Martha sure were. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him. But Mary stayed at home. She literally was thinking to herself, the dream is dead. She was so lost in her discouragement and possibly depression. So many seem to be in that same place today. That's why I just love it when God says, I'm your joy. The joy of the Lord is our strength. I understand what joy is. I understand what deep sadness is, what hurt is, what, what discouragement is, what depression is. I've walked through all that in my life at some point in time or another. But guess what? I didn't stay there. I didn't pitch a tent and set up shop there. No, I kept moving towards the joy that was before me, the joy that's in me, the joy that is my strength, Christ Jesus. We can't. Can't, can't, can't 
can't, 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 can't ever let discouragement, depression, all those things that want to destroy us reside where the joy of Jesus rightfully belongs. Church, I'm talking to you this morning. But even more than me, I believe the Holy Spirit is talking to you in a big time way right now to get out of that place of depression. Get out of that place. So that's easy enough for you to say, it's not. But it's easy enough for the King of Kings, the Lord of Glories, the great I am to show up and lift us out of the muck and mire that David described in his writings. Set us on that high place. Renew to us the joy of our salvation. To whisper to our hearts, I will never leave you and I will never forsake you. You're the apple of my eye. You're in the palm of my hand. I love you with an everlasting love. No matter what this world throws at you, I am the great I am. And I've got you. Church, some of you just need to grab that and eat it up with both hands. And maybe some of you are dead in the delay. Here's what I mean by that. Four days in the tomb. It didn't happen instantly. Jesus didn't show up at the last minute and save the day and on his deathbed say, Lazarus, you get up. You know, we're so used to saying in the name of Jesus. I was about to say, he just said in my name, get up. You, you live. You be healed. He didn't do that. Verse 17, on his arrival, Jesus found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. Sometimes it doesn't happen in our time. Have you, have you figured that part out yet? And how many of you are like me, just a tinge impatient? a little bit and so we're in that place called delay we get frustrated cranky moves to irritable I know it doesn't happen to y'all y'all the sweetest people I've ever met in my life but for some people I've met it, it does happen and that 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 irritability kind of moves to frustration and then it kind of settles in a place called anger I want it, and I want it when I want it. And God's up here just laughing, I believe. <laughs> Aren't you a funny little thing? <laughs> oh, don't you just make us all smile quite often up here? <laughs> oh, you're hilarious at times. I mean, come on, you had us just rolling the floor last week. I mean, but what, what can happen very easily is that we just kind of get lost and, and just end up dying there, that, that we, we, we give up too soon. That the delay just kind of gets us to those frustration, uh, anger, all that, you know, to, to the point where like, here's the towel, I'm done, I'm throwing it in, I give up. God didn't give me what I wanted, so I'm leaving. There's a lot of Christians like that. Well, I didn't get to do this, so I'm leaving. They didn't pick me to do that, so I'm gone. <laughs> you funny little people. Delay is not no. Delay doesn't mean it's not going to happen. 
This, above everything else, should teach us that. Jesus was in the tomb dead three days and resurrected, right? Lazarus was in there four, right? Is that what it said in your Bible? Four days. Are you in a delay right now? Maybe you haven't gotten married yet. Don't be in such a hurry for that. Some people said, I, mine's great. Amen, babe. Maybe those kids haven't come yet. Maybe you've prayed for that loved one. Hasn't turned out like you had prayed for. Here's what I want you to write down. Not only in your outline, but, but in your heart. God's delays are not God's denials. Don't give up. To wrap this up very quickly, I want, want to key in on the purpose of this entire account. In verse 15, Jesus was glad that he was not there in Bethany to heal Lazarus so that the disciples will believe. And that's it. Jesus prayed to the Father in verse 42, so that they may believe that you sent me. Jesus said that he is the resurrection and the life, and whoever believes in him will never die. Then he asked Martha this question, do you believe? And as you close your eyes for just a moment with me, as our team prepares to come back up here, I ask you the same question as we close out this part of the word. Do you believe? Simple question. And maybe we walked into this room today on this beautiful Sunday in August in North Carolina at Connections Church in Belmont. And maybe we thought, yeah, I do believe. That Jesus, he's all right. I mean, that, that one that was born in, in the little manger in Bethlehem that we celebrated Christmas. And, and man, he died that brutal death that we celebrated Easter and came back on the third day. And, and man, he's all right. But do you believe everything of who he is? That no matter what the situation is, he can lift you out of it. He can change the circumstances. He can change history. He can change your life. He can resurrect whatever has died in you. And maybe that's a little tougher for you. And maybe you have seen some things in your life this morning that you just need his help with to really believe and really understand and really grab a hold of who Jesus is as the resurrection and the life. If that's you, would you just come down and stand with me right now and say, Pastor, I, I got some things that need to be healed and helped. Maybe it's discouragement. Maybe it's delay. I don't know. Whatever it is, would you just come say, Pastor, I I need Jesus' resurrection and life. I need his joy. I need his help in my heart, in my life right now, fresh and new. I want to ask you one more time, would you get up and come and stand with me here at the front of this church and receive everything that God has for your life right now? Thank you. Thank you. Who else will come? Who else will say, you know what? I'm not letting this opportunity pass me by I'm coming now because I feel the Holy Spirit drawing me to him, to the king, to the great I am. So as these folks make their way down now and you make your way down now, if that's you, don't 
Don't delay, don't delay on your part. Make it happen. Come down. Take that step with all these that are moving right now. Would you just come and experience the full power of Christ inside and through your life right now? Those of you with your eyes closed, which I pray still all of you, you don't even know who's come up to this altar area, but right now you just sense the Holy Spirit wants you to come and stand with them and agree in prayer with them. I, I believe some more men are supposed to be at this altar this morning, however, being prayed for. But I want you guys, ladies, men, young people who feel led to come and stand in agreement with these folks that are gathered at this altar, make your way down right now. Begin to partner in prayer as Pastor Scott had us do earlier in our prayer time. And I want everyone else to stand to your feet across this room and be a partner with us as well. Who, who's going to come? Who else is going to come and stand in agreement with these? And who else is going to come and, and be ministered to as the Holy Spirit pours himself in you and through you? The hand of God, that resurrection power of Jesus, our King, does what it does best and brings things back to life. Father, we thank you right now that you are the great I am, the King of kings and the Lord of lords, and nothing is too difficult for you. I thank you for these people of great faith who in their doubts, in their depression, in their discouragement, in their delays, God, they are here. They are looking to you, and they are believing and trusting in you for your timing, for your will to be done. God, thank you for people who know you in their hearts. And if there be any that come down to the front of this church or standing there this morning that does not have that relationship, that personal relationship with you, know you as Christ and Lord and Savior, that right now they would open up their hearts and receive you, confess their sins, and believe upon you as Christ our King and our Savior and our Lord. God, I, I thank you for doing that right now. And I thank you for taking care of these folks who have responded this morning, who are here today saying, yes, Lord, whatever it is that you have for me. Yes, Lord, I agree and receive it in the name of Jesus. Lord, I am your servant. You are my king. You are my master. And Lord, I say your will be done in this. And I'm going to trust you through every part of it. God, I just thank you for opening blind eyes and raising back to life those things that are dead and those people that we believe are, are going to be resurrected again just as you called forth Lazarus. We call forth broken dead things to come back in the name of Jesus. Those people that are far from you right now that you would bring them home and back to relationship just as you did the prodigal God. And I thank you just as you opened the eyes and the hearts of faith. Mary and Martha and Thomas Peter and James and John and all those who were gathered that day that you're opening our hearts and our eyes and Lord you're planting that kind of faith deep inside of us that we're going to stake our lives on from this day forward God I just pray right now that the days of playing church are over. The days of going through the motion are over. The days of knowing a surface Jesus are over. That we learn to know the great I am in all of your glory, God. Just as you showed on that amazing day that you brought Lazarus forth. And just as you showed that day that you come bursting forth from the tomb alive forevermore. Thank you for that resurrection power. Thank you for your great love for us. Thank you for holding us close and letting us know that we belong to you. And now, Lord, we worship you with our hearts, with our voices, with our lives, with our hands raised, God, as we celebrate the great I am together in song. One more time, would you do that with our team this morning? Church, worship God today with everything you have. Thank you for tuning into this week's message. 
For more information about Connections Church, you can go to connectionschurch.church or follow us on Facebook and Instagram.